Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. The 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another episode of the Western Rookie Podcast brought to you by Go Hunt. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and today I have Justin Harris on the podcast, and we are already getting into it, talking some shed hunting, because, um, of course, I have the shed wall as my backdrop, and shed hunting's what originally um, brought me to Justin's page and, and had him on the podcast. So how are you doing today, Justin? Doing great. How are you? Doing good. We have the weirdest weather pattern I've ever had for, for December. So I'm from Minnesota. Typically by like middle of November, it starts getting cold, like below freezing, especially at night, mostly during the day. And we're, you know, what, 10 days out from Christmas. It's 47 degrees. It's rain. The you know grass is still green. We haven't had any amount of snow so far. Like hunting has been terrible. I haven't seen a deer in the last like two weeks worth of sits. It's it's yeah, just it's bad. Been about the same here, man. It's, I mean, we're sitting about twenty degrees, but no snow. It's been a weird year for sure. Well, at least twenty <laughs> degrees is like cold enough to get deer movement. I don't know. Are your seasons? Your seasons are probably starting to get wrapped up in Idaho, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yep. So we still have the archery season going on, and I would like to get another doe or two um, for the freezer. And it, it's just so warm. Like all of our pictures are like we got cell cams on three different farms and we'll get maybe one twilight picture a day. And then everything else is at night. Cause it's so warm. I mean, we're, we're That's 25 crazy. degrees above <laughs> average temps right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird year for sure. I jinxed everyone in the state of Minnesota because I went ahead. We bought the farm, and I went ahead and bought a big, like a seven-foot snowblower for my tractor. Got a new <laughs> tractor this year. Got a new snowblower. I'm like, I'm ready. We have a – it's probably not long by Idaho standards, but for Minnesota, it's a pretty long driveway. We got like a 500-foot driveway. And I had like the little push, you know, snowblower before that, and yeah. I'm like – and the tires were flat. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're getting something different. It's so not I, working out. <laughs> no, I bought that, and I haven't – like I hooked it up and turned it on for fun, but we haven't had any snow. So I, I'm guessing this winter we won't get any snow because I went ahead and, you know, prepared for it for once. <laughs> sure you're itching just to try your new toy, huh? <laughs> pretty much. I mean, I got pallet forks um, – I ordered some pallet forks. I'm excited to try those out too. It's fun. Like yeah. when, when we moved to the, like we were renting while my wife was finishing residency. And so like toys, what we were renting was like, Oh, I'm going to get like a new gun or I'm going to get like a new, you know, fishing rod or like small stuff. Right. Yeah. 
now toys for me are like, I want to get a, like a 20 foot trailer. I'm going to get a tractor. Yeah. I'm going to get a seven foot snowblower <laughs> pallet. Like I went yeah. and picked up one of those like big 275 gallon totes for like water, mm-hmm. like chemical comes in. Yeah. And I just cut it apart. And we've been throwing firewood in it and like just random <laughs> stuff that I never thought I would start buying the, this soon. Like yeah. I've always dreamed about owning land. I just figured it would take 10 more years. Yeah. So. No, it's been fun. But, yeah, I'm, like, like I want to go ice fishing, and it's, like, raining. Like, our lakes are thawing. Yeah. They're cu- they're breaking open again. So Yeah, we're just barely getting to that spot. We have about three, four inches there. I got some buddies that have been going out, and I'm like, I'll wait till it's about inch or two more. <laughs> yeah. Three, four inches, a little too sketch for myself. but I think I'm just going to go get a set of, the like, the picks, you know, that wear on your neck. And if you yeah. fall through, you can, like, crawl out. Yeah. And I'm – I don't know, big person. I'm going to float. I'm pretty sure I'm going to float. <laughs> so I might just rip it. I mean, the lake that I want to fish is only like seven feet deep. I mean. Yeah. But I, it's getting me looking forward to shed season. Now, I've been shed hunting. 2015 was the first year I started shed hunting. And it was the first year, like 2014, the fall or like the hunting season of 2014 was like the first year we really started running cameras on our whitetail farms mm. and like getting pictures and following bucks. And then shed season comes around and I want, we had this one buck and I wanted to find his antler. He had a, he had a sticker on the right side, heavy five point with a kicker. And, and I didn't know a thing about shed hunting, but I knew this guy, he was a cousin of a cousin and he also hunts the family farm and he finds a lot of them. So I'm like, Hey, can you want to go shed? Like we can hunt your place, my place. I just want to learn. So we go out shed hunting together. Terrible was success his dog found like one little one and he kept it obviously because that's like shed culture right even though it was on our farm and i didn't know that so i was a little like upset at first i'm like what do you mean that you're keeping it like you don't even care like this is a small (laughs) antler for you and but i didn't i just didn't understand like shed etiquette at the time yeah and um and so i went home i'm like you know what i'm just gonna teach my eight-year-old dog overnight how to find shed antlers I took a couple cutoffs and hit them in the living room and he'd like watch me hide them and then go over and like pick them up and chew on them. I'm like, perfect. We're golden. Went out the next morning to the other side of the farm and we're walking this four acre food plot of turnips. And all of a sudden I hear this, just this little ting. And I look down and his tooth must've hit the antler, but it's, you can't see it. It's on the other side, but it's one of the top wire. I have 10 of my favorite white tail sheds on the top wire and it's over there. Mm. And so that was like hooked that I picked that one antler up and it, it just instantly addicted. And then I went like, it took all it takes is one. (laughs) It took me like five years to have a good season. I think no three years. I mean, I found like one and then zero and then two and then like two. And then I started like realizing like, Oh, our farm isn't a good shed farm. Like if I want to find antlers, I have to travel. And that was really, I mean, yeah, that's like, I don't no, know that's like common there, sense but. for you. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have to drive 40 miles to find some shed. You know what I mean? Because it's the you mountains. Know, I'm kind of lucky around here. I, I have the mountains right outside my, my back door here. So I, I'm kind of blessed at where I'm at. But I mean, you, obviously I do some traveling and stuff, but. But you understand probably more so than like Midwest whitetail guys where like you have to find them. Like you have to scout them. Like it's a mountain, yeah. like you can't just, they're not everywhere. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like for white tail guys, like, Oh, I'm going to shed hunt our own farm. Well, if they're not on your farm, they're not on your farm. Like <laughs> you're not going to find them where they aren't. Sure. And so then I started traveling a lot 
and doing like hundred mile years, which isn't a lot for the mountains, but it's a lot when you're hunting forties and eighties, you know, to put on a hundred yeah. miles. And I've been wanting like heavier and heavier winters. Mm-hmm. I've been finding that like the more brutal the winter is, the better the shed hunting is in the spring. Yeah, it definitely pushed them down more for sure. I mean, well, it, for, it's a tough call, you know, for animal health and the right, shed. Right, it is, it is. A tough place there. Like, well, I'm not talking like last winter, like 600 inches of snow in Utah. Oh, yeah. bad. That's, that's bad. This one was bad. I'm talking for like Minnesota to have like two, three feet of snow. Like yeah. lots of snowfall. Temps don't matter to me at all. But when we get that snowfall, it pushes all the deer like right to the food. And they just mm-hmm. squat there the entire winter. So when yeah. shed season comes, it's like, it's remarkably obvious where the deer were and where they weren't more specifically. So if it's like if you're not seeing areas that are flat packed with tracks, like don't waste your time. And then all the antlers are in one spot. But then it's kind of like if you're hunting public, then you're like everyone else can do the same thing and find them just yeah. as fast. So it's a double-edged sword. But I find like winters like this, like I think it's going to be – if we don't get any snow, it's going to be tough because these – like it's flat. Like deer don't come down. There is no snow up high pushing them down. They can go wherever they want. They can find food wherever they want. You can't see their tracks. It, it, like I think it's going to be really hard to shed on if we don't get some snow. I think we're going to have the same problem here. I was actually thinking about that the other day. I was like, you know, kind of mark it off list of where areas I want to go check. I'm like, man, it might be really tough this year. Yeah. Totally opposite of last year. I mean, last year it was tough too because we had so much snow, you know, being down here in southern Idaho. All the animals were down in the farmer's fields and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it access it, like, it made it tough there but once you get like if you found access or you found that spot in public like then it was probably pretty easy because they were all yeah. in one spot yeah 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 so i don't know i want to last year we went i went to new mexico with a with a buddy two buddies actually and a camera guy chris who was the best camera he was just hilarious he was a great camera guy <laughs> um so we brought this camera i have to tell the story so it's me and Dan Matthews who used to host the podcast and a, a podcast guest, Stephen Walker, we've had on a couple times. Um, and he invites us down super nice. Having the right tool for the job can make all the difference in the world. And that applies for Western hunts too, especially if you're coming from the Midwest like myself. Because if you don't have it, there's no going home to get it. And that's why many of us Western hunters are also gear junkies. And the same is true for the folks over at Go Hunt. They have built the Go Hunt gear shop to be jam-packed full of the best, highest quality gear needed for your Western hunt. They try out everything that gets into the shop, and if they don't like it or they don't use it, it doesn't make the cut. So if you need something for your next trip, Go Hunt has something for you in the gear shop. They've got everything from optics, gear, camping accessories, apparel, footwear. They've got packs, and they've got some of the best brands in the industry. So if you're in the market for some new gear, consider checking out the Go Hunt Gear Shop. They're an avid supporter of the outdoors. They are supporters of this podcast. And most importantly, they're supporters of you. They want to help you be more successful in the West. So there's no better place to shop for gear, information, and knowledge than Go Hunt. And if you use the code WESTERN when you check out, you're going to get 10% off most of the regular priced items in the shop. So head over to GoHunt.com. Get the gear you need. Use the code Western and get the right tool for the job this fall. Guy, and so Dan wants to start like YouTubing, like full on YouTube episodes. So he has a buddy that wants to start filming, like being a photographer. 
they're like, oh, perfect. Like, mm-hmm. co- I'll pay for your trip. We'll come down, hop in the truck. Like, we're going anyway. So great. We tell Chris. And Dan doesn't tell Chris anything about, like, what shed hunting's like, what we need, what the temperatures are. And, and well, to be fair, we don't really know where we're going because Stephen's like, yeah, we might go to Arizona. We might go to Colorado. We might go to New Mexico. We'll see. Um, and we're like, all right, whatever. So Chris is like, hey, what do I need? And Dan's like, I don't really know. You know, so, you know, throw some stuff in. Well, then we start talking about shed hunting on the way out and how, like, yeah, you know, I should start out in North Dakota and, you know, typically it's like six below and I'm, I'm rocking, you know, I, I use, uh, snowshoes all the time. Like that's, I've, I've found like a hundred of those antlers I've found on snowshoes. And mm-hmm. so Chris is in the backseat, like, damn, snowshoes for shed hunting? Like, I didn't bring snowshoes. <laughs> and then I'm talking about, yeah, like, usually, They're a game changer. I'm usually <laughs> camping out and I've camped down to like 15 below before on shed trips. Mm-hmm. And Chris is like, damn, 15 below. Like, he's in the backseat thinking to himself, like, he told the after the story, he's like, I was thinking to myself, this is some like, serious stuff. Shit. <laughs> yeah, like 15 below. I brought like a Mickey Mouse sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then I'm showing them pictures, and it's just me with, like, a frosty beard, cold as hell. And the the dog is, like, you can see the breath coming out of the dog in the picture. And he's like, damn, that looks cold. Well, then we get to camp, and I throw out my sleeping bag. And I only have one sleeping bag. I only have a zero degree. That's I use for everything. If it's hot, I unzip it and use it as a blanket. And so I throw out the sleeping bag that's, like, this big. And Chris finally breaks up. He's like, did you guys not tell me it's going to be like zero <laughs> degrees? Like the size, his sleeping bag's bigger than all the clothes I brought. And so we're like, I, I was like, well, no, to be fair, that's my only sleeping bag, but we didn't, I don't know. And so we, like Chris was stuffing sleeping bags inside of sleeping bags and going to sleep with like all of his clothes on. And he's from Missouri. Like he's not used to being cold and it got pretty chilly at night down there. And so it was just hilarious. Like he went into this knowing literally nothing about shed hunting. And we didn't tell him anything either. He just hopped in the truck. <laughs> Had to learn the hard way. Huh? Yeah. It was, I mean, the days were nice. And, and he figured, like, he's like, I got my system down now. I got a blanket. But, yeah, he I, he didn't have the sleeping bags that, like, I had. But I was, yeah. I lit, that was the same year I was shed hunting, like, five below in North Dakota just a couple months earlier. Because it's, they drop early. Like, it's goofy. They drop early in the north. Because it's like the winters are so bad sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that one. But, dude, that's funny that you say that, though, because we all have had an experience like that when it's like, I did not bring enough stuff. Why did nobody tell me? (laughs) Yeah, why did nobody (laughs) tell me? Yeah, it was just hilarious because he thinks we're going down to, like, Mexico or, like, New Mexico, but, like, oh, it should be warm. Like, that's on the southern border. Yeah, that's your first thought. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think it snowed one morning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah it was a fun trip for sure but yeah it was kind of funny for chris because he had no no clue what was what he was getting himself <laughs> into but but um but yeah no i'm really excited so that's where i was saying last year i went to new mexico i'd love to get something planned this year because we had fun and we found good elk sheds but that one thing that i'm looking forward to is getting in on like a good mule deer spot and finding like a nice match set mule deer yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm not going to turn down a nice match set of elk either, but like a front range type, like Montana, Wyoming style, like front range hunt, because I don't know why. I don't know what it is about a mule deer set. And maybe it's just because I've done the whitetail stuff. 
like you probably the opposite. Like, man, I'd love to find like a good white tail spot. Oh yeah, and scoop up some <laughs> white tail sheds. But for me, it's like mule deer and elk are the next. Like, I'm obviously gonna do the white tail stuff, but it's so freaking hard when you come from the Midwest to like throw a dart at the map out west. You can't scout. You can't like see where they're you know herding up in February and then come back in May. Like, yeah. you just gotta like roll the dice sometimes and it's kind of hard to justify a trip out yeah it's kind of hard to justify like a two-day trip out there just to get there yeah i hear you not know where you're going so i'm gonna i think i'm gonna just bounce around just like hey if we don't find any we don't find any we're just camping out nothing else to do in may but that's the that's the goal is to try to find like a big mule deer shed this year yeah, I mean, I've definitely found my my fair share of nice mule deer sheds. I'm, you know, I'm a mule deer guy through and through. That is, that is my cup of tea. Yeah, like hunting too. Then I, is that what you're saying? I mean, see, that's a tough one with hunting, because mule deer hunting. I grew up mule deer hunting, so it has oh. a special place in my heart, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm torn between elk hunting and, and mule deer hunting. So for sheds, it's it's definitely mule deer for sure. How come? What's the? What is it about a mule deer shed that gets you more excited than an elk shed? The characteristic. Every mule deer shed is different. Oh. Whether it be something small, elk sheds. You know, you found a five point. It's five point. You found a six point. Six point. Once in a while, you'll have you know a little kicker, a devil tine, or something. But I think it's just the difference in every single mule deer shed that gets me. Okay. You never know what it's gonna be. Yeah, I mean, there's that's fair. Um, depending on where you are, it's probably easier to like scoop up a bunch of mule deer sheds in a day too. It seems like the elk For sheds sure. can be harder to like put up big numbers. Yeah, which yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. I've, I mean, I've, I just recently started getting into elk shed hunting. I probably only have fifteen, twenty ish, somewhere right around there. Okay, that's still a I've, lot. <laughs> I think I'm at like five. <laughs> See, and I don't think it's a lot. I go to you know wow. friend's house and they they got them everywhere, and I'm like, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had like um, Weston MacArthur on like Rise and Shed. Yeah, and yeah, I'm good friends with him. He's like found more sheds in a season than I've found in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so it definitely puts it into perspective, but. Yeah, like I, I love double digit days. I think everyone does, really. When you're in the oh, mountains, I think it's like zero zero one two zero two twenty. Like you just finally hit the valley. Yeah. And then Yeah, you gotta find that pocket. And it can be the same for you know, whitetail. I think depending on like people's setups, like you can have more influence on whitetail shed hunting, especially if you own land. You know, if you have a big property and you're doing a lot of winter food sources, like you can just be like, hey, we're going to shed hunt on Saturday and, you know, sweep the whole farm and find 40 sheds. Oh, for sure. But it's still hard to hit that double digit. Like I'm a big public land shed hunter because our family farms, they don't find, we don't find many sheds. I found one shed this year on our family farm. Last year, I think I found zero out of my 45 sheds I found last year, zero of them were off our family farms. So, you know, to go on a public that's getting pounded by everyone, like an 80 acre public that's getting hit by everyone to find 10 sheds in a day. Like that's pretty mm. special. Um, and so that's where I, I like those double digit days, man. I've never broke 20 night. I got 19 once in a day. See, my, my best day until, Oh, was it? It was 2020 or 2021. I can't quite remember. It was 18. And then 
yeah, 2020 or 2021, I picked up 20, I want to say 26 or 27 sheds in a day. And I was ecstatic. That was out in Wyoming. I, I felt like a little kid on Christmas, you know. Oh, for sure. And it's <laughs> funny. matching sets. and the Actually, you know what's the saddest part is? So I found a lot of sheds. Out of my, like, whitetail shed hunting group here, I've probably found the most numbers. And it's, like, mm. all the smallest. Like, I have... Yeah. I have yet to find a 70-inch whitetail shed. And all of my friends that have, like, they, I think they spend more time finding specific deer. But they're all over. They've all found 70-inch sheds. And it's just like, man, I want to find that 70. Like, you you would think, like, the numbers that you, you like, put up, like, it should just happen statistically. Like, a 70-inch shed's usually, like, a 155 to 160-inch buck. Like, they're not everywhere, but they're out there. Like, there's plenty of them. So, but I have four... 67 inch four points so close so close well and that's a big that's a big score for a four point i mean that is i mean that's a nice shed for sure that would be like a three by three for you so that'd be like 150 caliber three by three yeah 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 so that's a nice buck big heavy bone there but yeah that's what i'm trying to find but i haven't matched any of my big ones up either which is really sad i've tried so far like half of the miles i walk every year trying to match up one big shed it, there's been years I'm like one of my favorite sheds I've I found have pictures of the buck I have his left side and I found him in 2017 or 2018 I still have yet to find his other side it still haunts me to this day someone else <laughs> probably picked it up I think so I it, really think is it so. like a big big one he's I've never put a tape to him but I would probably say he's 70 uh, probably 85 80 85 inch muley that's so that's getting close to like a 200 inch muley right yeah 85 so that's 170 what's a big buck with 190 like a 20 inches wide is a big mule deer no i'd say that's about average i'd say like you know or that top tier mule deer you're hitting at 26 plus yeah, so he could. Yeah, so he's probably mid one nineties if he's symmetrical. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you could do that. Have you seen the antler tech? Yeah, I have. I've thought about getting him cloned. For you sure. should get that match <laughs> set, man. That antler tech match. I've, oh. I've thought about it. I'd I, love to. <laughs> I had those guys on the podcast before. Um, I have a business entrepreneurship podcast, and I had them on, and they're talking about it. And the first mule deer they cloned was like a, I don't know, it was a huge mule deer. And the first question I asked was, like, how is the weight? Because that's the first thing you're going to notice, right? Because those yeah. big antlers, that weight is, like, what draws you to them. Just mm-hmm. picking them up. And if it's off, like, you're like, ah, oh, this ain't real. Like, this is a 200-inch yeah. shed, and it only weighs, like, you know, a yearling. Like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. But he's like, oh, we weighed it, and they were within four ounces of each other. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is, I yeah, mean, I've... like, they probably differed four ounces anyway. Dude, I've spent time on their page just like, do I do it? Do I do it? <laughs> it's not cheap by any means. No. But you got to – I feel like whenever something like that comes up, I'm always like, okay, how do I make, like, a really good video that is going to, like, go viral and hopefully, like, pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> right. And I don't even have a channel, I, so it's like uh, – take a while. I think if I ended up doing something like that, I would keep the, the one I found and just have them do a set together on a plaque or something. Oh. Just a whole replica. To get both sides replicated, yeah, they should yeah. be able to do I it. Think, I think that's what I would do. That's more expensive. <laughs> it, it is. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it would be cool. It would be cool. Um, there's a lot of companies out there that are doing some stuff like that now. With like, there must have been, been like a a software like revolution where like all of a sudden yeah. now everyone had the software to be able to do it because there's like four or five different companies that I can think of that are in that same general space. Whether it's like digital copies in case you lose your taxidermy or like mini muleys we've had on the podcast so you can get like a miniature one or the antler tech cloning yeah. i think there's a couple other people that are in that space but it must be it must be like something like everyone figured it out at once you know i think a lot of it had to do with 3d printing i think that was a big influence on it huge influence i mean yeah. i'm not sure but, and the cad but, software yeah. for 3d printing and like to be able to scan something and like make a model of it but it seemed like as soon as 3D printing got big, a couple years later, they, you know, these companies started coming out with, yeah, you know, we I'll, can do this. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. I love it. I wish it got cheaper. Yeah, like, I, I hope too. it gets cheaper so it's more <laughs> realistic. I think it will. Yeah. So I was going to ask you before, like, when you find 20 sheds, how often are you finding like old versus new sheds or like fresh sheds versus hard whites and chocks? Like, out of that 20, are like half of them fresh? That's a tough one to say. It depends on what area you're at. I've yeah. had, you know, days I go out and I've found those double digits where they've they've been all chalks or hard whites, you know, and I've had days that I've hit those double digits. They've all been brown or good mixture. But I'd probably say probably like a 60-40, yeah. 60% Fresh. hard or an other way. Oh, I mean, oh shoot. It, yeah. it seems like when, when you're getting those double digits, at least for me, when I'm getting those double di- digits, I'm – I'm finding mostly, you know, those hard whites more than browns. Yeah, probably something where, like, you found an area that hadn't been hit for a few years by yeah. someone. And yeah. that's why you hit double digits. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, when you're hitting double digits mule deer, it's a lot easier to pack them out than double digit elk. Yeah. Like, it's. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a lot easier to do that. We find a lot of them on where we antelope hunted in Wyoming for some reason. Like, that must have been a winter range spot. I stepped on a four-point mule deer shed as we were trying to track down my nephew he made like a mediocre shot on a mule deer and we're trying to run him down he was going around the he was in the cut you know the cut goes around the corner so i was trying to get up and over and and cut him off and get a follow-up shot and i'm like looking at how to climb out of this little cut and i'm like all right i think we can do it here and i take one step up this episode is brought to you by steelhead outdoors creators of the only american-made fire insulated modular gun safe on the market That means you no longer have to convince three or four of your buddies to help you move your safe. No more blown out backs or pulled muscles and no more dings and dents to your home. They recommend having two people to lift and assemble your safe, which would make it incredibly easy because I just put my Recon 32 together by myself and I had it set up in less than an hour. I carried each panel of my safe into my home with just my two hands, yet once assembled, it had the same security and ruggedness you would expect from a gun safe. They have designed an integrated door frame, so it is nearly impossible to get into your gun safe without the code, which means your firearms are always 100% secure. Before I had my Steelhead Outdoors safe, I needed to get three buddies to help me move my old safe in and out of my home, and it was always the most stressful part of moving. But not anymore. Plus, every Steelhead Outdoors safe is made right here in Minnesota from start to finish, which means you are supporting a local business when you buy a Steelhead Outdoor Safe. Check out SteelheadOutdoors.com to see all of their size and color options and pick the right one for you. And 
Use the code WESTERNROOKIE, that's one word, WESTERNROOKIE, to save $150 on your Steelhead Outdoor Safe. Up in my nephew's like, oh, hey, look at this. And he picks up a four-point brown in my boot track. I'm like, oh, God. I had one of my buddies. He stepped on one, didn't even realize it. He kept walking. I was like, hey, dude, <laughs> you know that thing you just tripped over? No, yeah, it was an antler. <laughs> oh, boy. Do you sell antlers or do you keep them all? I've sold them in the past, and I, I kind of regret it. Yeah. You know, in the later after selling them. But I sell the smaller ones for, you know, dog chews and crafts to friends and family and stuff like that or just give them away to them but yeah for the most part i keep them all the small ones are the ones like that like i'm conflicted about i, w- I don't think i'll ever sell big ones man like now especially that i have a <laughs> shop like i can hang i could hang thousands of antlers in my shop yeah until the roof collapses i suppose but yeah um the small ones it's like they're starting to pile up and I don't know what to do with them, but they also aren't worth that much. Like you have to sell like yeah. ten small ones to get the same price as one big one, which you usually yeah, f- for, sure. for me anyway. I find ten small ones for every big one, but I've always yeah. wanted to start a business. Um, my wife just put a ban on any new business ideas, though, so I can't do it for a while. But <laughs> I wanted to start a business with my small ones and cutting them up into small bites and selling them to like mm. the the rabbit pet community oh yeah like rodents and rabbits because they always have to chew to keep their teeth down and then like Mm -hmm. just the law of like economics like if you you know the smaller you basically sell any quantity the higher piece price you can get right yeah so if i sold a whole antler i could probably sell like a what's a yearling whitetail shed worth like five bucks maybe like yeah not much. Ten bucks in a good day. Well, that would be like, isn't it like twelve dollars a pound for for? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it takes like three or four antlers. I think it takes three or four small sheds to equal a pound. So they're probably three, four bucks. Yeah. But if I chop that thing up into ten pieces and put it in a bag, I could probably sell it for like fourteen ninety nine to someone that's got like a bunny as like a one month yeah. supply of like treats. Yeah, for sure. Right, and then I'm like, that's oh, I could idea. also shut the, I could chop the pedicles off and make like little bone chips, like you know the like the brown things in a bag of Gardettos yeah. that everyone likes the most. Yeah. Now they start. <laughs> now they sell the bag of just those. Like I could probably sell that bag yeah. for like you know 15 bucks as well. So now I'm making 30. You know, well not quite 30, but you know what I mean. I'm like making way more money than this one antler's worth. Yeah. And then it's a re- like reoccurring revenue because like like the, they got to keep eating them. Like dogs don't have to eat antlers. Like the dog chew business, yeah. like they just it's people that like giving their dogs antlers, but they don't have to eat them. Yeah. The like the rodents have to keep eating bone to keep their teeth down. Yep. So I thought it'd be great. Yeah, that's a great idea. I maybe someone will take it for me, and I can just sell my antlers to them or. Yeah, right. <laughs> she, she just doesn't want me to take any more things that that take time away from our family, because I have yeah. like two podcasts and a side business and a day job. So yeah, yeah, but no, it's understandable though. So if you want to do that, I'll give you a bunch of white tail yearlings to to launch the business with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was gonna call it Bone Apple Teeth. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> and I was gonna I was gonna soak them in That's like awesome. apple juice. And then like dry them out so they have like an apple scent on them so the they yeah. just, so the bunnies just go crazy for these bones and then their owners like oh he yeah. loves it so much we gotta buy more. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I thought of the whole thing. It'd be so I much. Love that. Just have like a little bands on. Yeah, yeah. You know what I started dealing with all you know little 
two, three inch tine ends and stuff. I started putting them in mason jars with uh, grain stems, and I started selling those with as home decor. Grain stems? I got one right here. I'll grab one. Like you like <laughs> going picking weeds and putting them in a mason jar? Like, what are we? T- oh, there you go. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. I'm trying to find an antler. I got it in my desk drawer, if that tells you anything about how big it is. <laughs> this is the smallest. I was just looking for a, an antler I had. This is the smallest shed I've ever found. That sucker yeah. is just... It, it's it's teeny. <laughs> I found that thing in the... For the folks that are listening, it's a, it's a spike that's maybe three inches. I found it in the middle of like a CRP field in South Dakota. I just looked down. That's and I was my like, smallest. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's there. That's, but that's what I'm saying. Like you chop that thing up into like six pieces, you could sell him as like ten dollars, <laughs> and you're gonna like your antler buyer would be like, I don't really want don't that. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> like that's when you got like when you have your antler buyer and he's got the bathroom scale and the box and it's like one ninety nine point nine. You're like, oh wait, throw this one in there. Two hundred pounds. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a buddy that oh, sold enough awesome. antlers to buy Swaro binos one year. That's yeah, that's a good amount of antlers being sold there. That could be. That's what I was thinking. That could be your goal. Like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stock up Browns until I get, yeah, I don't know, you know, hundred pounds, and then when I do it, I'm gonna get that antler matched up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna sell yeah. enough small <laughs> antlers to get that big one matched up. Yeah. So. That'd be cool. I've yeah, always yeah. thought that fixed like whitetails get chewed on a lot because of like like the tree rats that we've got out yeah. here. The squirrels they like to chew on them. So a lot of times it's just heartbreaking. Someone will find like an eighty-five inch antler and it's just chewed to smithereens. Yeah. And so I thought like that the replica business could go really well, especially if you've got a picture of what the buck used to look like on trail camera mm-hmm. or something to like get not just a, a, a match side, but just to fix the one side you did find. Yeah. You know that, that buck I was telling you about that I have the one side from? It was my first shed that I ever found by myself. Oh, boy. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got spoiled out. So I he, he was quit. a city buck. I would just retire. <laughs> he was, Hall of he was a city buck, and he was living behind my house. Oh, really? My old house in a group of trees surrounded by fields, just C- CRP fields. And I remember going out there one day and seeing him for the very first time. And this was back in the day. I didn't have a phone or anything. Or, no, I did have a phone. But camera had a much better. Ran to the house, grabbed my camcorder, ran back up the mountain, <laughs> got pictures of him. Never saw him again. A couple months later, I went back in there. Just, just I knew what sheds were, you know? Yeah. Walked, stri- walked down into this ravine, started to take a left. And I was like, you know what? I need to turn around and go up the other way. Did it right there, right on the trail. <laughs> wow. Yeah, someone probably found that one. If it was, I think so. Yeah, you just knock on doors like, "Hey, did you find my antler?" <laughs> <laughs> right. I'd pay big money. <laughs> I, a, I really would. I know of a person that bought a two hundred and some. So he had a bunch of sheds from this buck, like throughout the years, and this buck was huge. Like he had one shed mm-hmm. that was a hundred seven. Without the spread, that's just the shed wow. scored 107. Yeah. Wow. And he had like a match, like two matches, and then the one side, and then the, like the other side the next year, and then the buck died. And the buck died on the neighbor's property in like the middle of a cattail, like frozen swamp or like a frozen pond. 
but out on the ice. Mm-hmm. So he could see it. He's like, that monster's like dead right there. Yeah. And so he knocked on the neighbor's door and was like, hey, this buck died. You know, I've been chasing him for a while. You know, can I go, you know, can I pay you to go take, you know, get his his, his antlers from, from it, the pile, you mm-hmm. know. And the farmer's like, yeah, I don't know. What's it worth to you? And he's like, I don't know, 500 bucks. And he's like, all right, sure. Sold him. <laughs> it's like a, a deadhead that scores like 220 something. That's crazy. It's like the best, <laughs> best deal ever, man. Like that was so cheap. I can't even fathom. Like I've 220 inch white tail. The thing was massive. It was <laughs> massive. I'm trying to picture that right now. It was, just, it, I was can't. it had tines. It was, I mean, it was like a 16 <laughs> by 16. Oh wow! It had tines everywhere. It was cool. everywhere. Yeah, it was. It That's was kind of what I was picturing. A I'm not big non-typical, <laughs> yeah. But for two hundred dollars, yeah, or to five hundred dollars, it was crazy. This is the only white tail shed I have. I bought that one. Oh, I was gonna say that's a toad. <laughs> Where'd you get that one from? But yeah. I thought it was cool. Antler buyer, I was selling him one of my sheds or one of my sets, and he's like. Like, how much you want for that? That one's kind of cool. I can't remember how much I got it for, but it was a screaming deal. Yeah. Well, they don't weigh much. Don't like, like that shed probably that weighs like that. That shed probably weighs less than three pounds. I'm gonna say about four. He's really heavy in the front end. Yeah, but I think it's it's deceiving because I have one that I have this big eight pointer here. I'll go grab it quick. I finally have a long enough cord on my headset that I can walk around. <laughs> so I have this eight pointer and this button, the button on this eight pointer is bigger than five point raghorns that I've gotten. Like I can't even wrap my fingers around his pedicle. This thing is yeah, that one's about all that one is there. Well, I have big hands. I don't know about you. But... Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, <Little> guy. <laughs> I'm six two. I got huge mitts and, uh, and so this shed, I mean, I I can do the mass measurement right here, but this pedicle is almost six inches around his bases. Yeah, I'm going to say this in about four and a half. Yeah. Four, four and a half. So inches. this, I mean, I'm not saying that's a small antler. I'm just saying I thought, I'm like, oh my God, this thing's going to weigh like five pounds. I weighed it and it was two <laughs> and a quarter. Like I weighed oh, it with really? a, a food scale. Yeah, so they're deceiving. Like when you hold them, they're it, like yeah, it must be. They aren't as heavy as you think, and so like even if that is four pounds, like that's forty eight dollars. Yeah. If you're buying it on poundage, now that shed. Can you hold it up again? You want straight side? Uh, no, that's fine. That shed's probably I can't see his fourths though or his fifths, but I would oh. guess that that shed. I mean, I've found sheds like that. I got one that's not quite as big as that. That went sixty eight. So I'm probably guessing that one is 70, probably somewhere between 72 and 75 inches. Like that's a that's a hammer, and so you'd. That's s- what I was thinking. He told me was 70 to 80 in that ballpark. Yeah. Is what so he told me. he'd probably start going, like 70 is the bare minimum to start selling a white tail shed based on size instead of weight. Mm-hmm. And so you'd start to sell that one just as like a 75 inch six by six. Yeah. And, and, and I just it, thought it, it looked cool. He should be, yeah. <laughs> it is a cool buck. I would love to pick one up like that. I'd love to pick up a whitetail shed. <laughs> well, you come out. You beat me halfway in North Dakota. I got some spots. 
right. <laughs> I got the <laughs> one of the spots I went to. I found twenty in a weekend. I found twelve and then eight, I think, or eight and then twelve, um, on public. And then I went back last year. I found ten in a weekend. I went a little too early last year, though. I had a lot of bucks that were still holding. So I want to go again this year. It's all public. I sleep in the back seat of my truck because it's usually just me and the dog. And it's been Mm -hmm. cold as it gets. I mean, the first year was 15 below camping. The next year was like 12 below camping. (laughs) Um, Now that like things are a little more stable, I go for a hotel when it's going to be that cold. But (laughs) for a while, I'm like, man, I'm spending like all the extra money I want to be spending this weekend on this trip just getting there. I'm going to camp, make it cheap. You know, I was saving up for a ring and a wedding, and I'm like, eh, mm. I'm going to do this bare bones. But now now I might, especially if my wife comes with me, I don't think she's going to want to camp at 15 below. Yeah. Like, she's a yeah, backpacker, but she doesn't like, like, being that cold. And she doesn't have, yeah. like, cold weather sleeping gear like I do. So Yeah, this last year, me and my dad, we went to Wyoming to go shed hunting. First trip we'd ever done together. I'm like, how you want to do this, tent or what? And he's like, Let's get a hotel room. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> you're older and older and wiser than me, huh? He's, right, got, that, he's got that extra cash. Yeah. Yeah. That would be <laughs> the hotel room for especially shed hunting. Cause you like, you're done as soon as it's dark, you know, and hunting, it's yeah. like, you don't have to be there. You don't have to be there before sunrises. Like I usually try to get there like as soon as it gets light. So we maximize the yeah. day, but like, you don't have to be there three hours before dark. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, as soon as you're, done like you're probably making your trip back anyway like you're hunting your way out it's not like mm-hmm. you're three miles back when the sun goes down on a bull and now you got to walk out for two hours in the dark and the days are short or shorter it's well for i guess for you not because what wyoming doesn't open till may so you're almost at the longest days yeah. of the year but when i'm doing it in february in north dakota those are some pretty short days so it gets dark at six. You're like, all right, what am I going to do for four hours? Like, we'll go yeah. back to the hotel, take a shower, go find a burger and some French fries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what we did, too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So that's pretty fun. That is pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. And it would be it'd be the place that it, that I'm thinking of would be a great spot to have, like, a shed camp. And I don't really yeah. care anymore because I don't live there. Like, if I can get back once a year, that's phenomenal. I'm not – it was already, like yeah. – when I lived in North Dakota, it was still four hours away. Now it's eight hours away. <laughs> So it's not like that's my that's spot true. anymore, you know. Yeah. Well, for you, it's going to be like eighteen hours away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well just fly. He'll pick you up at the airport. <laughs> if we did that, I probably would. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meet me at this airport at noon. I'll pick you up, and we'll go from yeah. there. It'll still be four hours, but. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so when you went to Wyoming, did you first of all did you go to the Have you ever done the Jackson Hole hunt? I haven't. Oh, I mean, it's, it's really close to you, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I, Wyoming just, you know, about an hour away from me. Yeah. I'm that, just on the other side of the mountains in Idaho. Yeah, that's okay. I don't really feel like getting trampled by a bunch of horses either. That's kind of how I feel about it. I don't want to race people up the mountain. To, well, you're never going to beat shit. the horse. <laughs> <laughs> that too. But. Hey, friends, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're an avid hunter just like myself, and we are always looking to get more time in the woods each season. One of the ways that's helped me get more time in the stand is by using Maverick hunting blinds. When I'm comfortable, I stay in the stand longer and I'm more focused on deer the entire time. I don't turn around so my hood cuts the wind and I'm not taking shelter from the rain. 
The best way to stay comfortable is with a hard-sided blind, and my favorite is Maverick's six-panel Booner blind, which allows me to rifle and bow hunt out of the same blind. The best part is Maverick has a blind for every spot. So whether you're looking for a rifle-only spot or a bow and rifle option or even a round blind to cut the wind resistance down, Maverick has you covered. No matter which option you go with, you're going to be comfortable and sit longer in the stand for all of your upcoming seasons. Go to Maverick. Well, I mean, to be like, if they made that no horses, it would piss off everyone that goes. At a horse. <laughs> which is like everyone, right? Yeah. But it would make it like so much better. Like so much it would. better for everyone. Like it would really improve. Yeah, I would agree. Because like right I just now. Don't I don't want to be stressed out trying to beat people. I just want to enjoy my time and find some sheds, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, you, you've exactly. So I had some thoughts about the Jackson thing. First of all, one idea could be get rid of the horses. Everyone's on foot. Maybe make multiple gates so it's not like a 1,000 people running through the one yeah. gate, you know? Um, that could be an idea. I can see how that would piss off a lot of people. Because, like, when there's 200 horses, like, what do you – what? Like – I might as well wait until like three <laughs> days from now and then just walk in by myself and just try to get yeah. farther back in and sleep in there and then like yeah. shed hunt the next day. Um, the other thing I thought about here, two different ideas. The one I like the most is probably like make it not like close it down. It's not public anymore. There's a hundred tickets and we raffle them off at the Western Hunt Expo and all the money goes towards like winter range funding. Yeah, it's like it's already a, it, it, it's already a rich man's game when it's a bunch of hundred thousand dollar trucks pulling yeah. million dollar horse trailers. So you might if it's, if it's already how there, how much those would go for? Oh, <laughs> thousands of dollars a pop. Oh yeah, maybe more. I don't know. Easily. I mean, especially if you made it like twenty. Like you could honestly do yeah. some math. Be like, okay, if we do a hundred, like if you did a thousand, you're only going to get like five hundred bucks a piece or less. Yeah. If you did a hundred, you might get like two grand a piece. If you did like twenty, like week one pass, like a like a t- like do it like a tag, like auction it off like a tag, yeah, like a five day tag in season one. We're getting rid of twenty of them. You're probably getting like ten grand a pop. You know, yeah. There's gonna be twenty <laughs> people with I was like a, was a mule pack, <laughs> like a pack train. It's gonna be like a guy and four mules. He's yeah. gonna go in there, spend a week, and pull out like five hundred pounds of antlers. Yeah. And he's going to make, make money. money back. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to make <laughs> yeah. his money back. I don't know. That could be one option. Or just do it like lottery. Like say, hey, there's a hundred of them and we're just going to lottery them off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a tough one with, with all that. Just the regulations and stuff. I don't like the regulations. How do you, how do you, you don't either? No, I don't. I, I mean, I get the ones this last season in a way. Yeah. I do. I I like when the winter was as bad as it was for them to say like, "Hey guys, we're gonna wait an extra month." Like <laughs> these animals oh, are I agree. already I agree walking that. death. So I I agree with that one. What I don't like is when they're like, "Oh, residents get to go this day. Yeah. Non-residents don't." That one kind of rubs me the wrong way, and it's it's just because it's like it's our land. Yeah. It's everyone in the country's land. It's the people's land. Right. It's federal. A lot of it's federal land. I mean, if it's state land, it's state land. Federal land. I know that the states control the animals, but what bothers me about it isn't really, like, any one issue. It's the, like, 
when it comes to battling public lands, public land transfer, like anti-hunting organizations, all this other stuff, right? Then the Western states turn around and be like, hey, all you guys in the East, we need your help. We need your votes. You know, you're all the, you know, the, the Missouri River or the Mississippi River Valley is the dominant area of hunters, right? Mm-hmm. It's whitetail hunters from the Mississippi River Valley. Like is, if there's 10 million hunters, 7 million of them live in that, are whitetail hunters from the Mississippi River Valley states. So like Minnesota to Texas, right? And so it's like they need our votes to win all these battles, yet when it comes time to hunt, they tell us, oh, we don't want to see your plates at the at the trailhead. We're going to go out first. We're going to charge you 40 times more for a tag. And it, and, and then we just get, like, crapped on the entire time as a, as a, yeah. a non-resident or an out-of-stater. It's, you know, like the plate thing is just wild of, like, people will hate on you because you have a Minnesota plate on an Idaho or a Montana trailhead, right? And it's like – like you guys want our help when you're you're about to lose this opportunity, and then as soon as we win it for you or like help you, you like turn around and tell us we can't come and shed hunt or we can't, you know. So that's what bothers me about the like the regulations, some of the shed regulations I saw because like Wyoming just yeah. did that; they just said non-residents can't hunt for like the first week. <laughs> I'm not talking crap here, but <laughs> Wyoming people, man, they. They made me nervous sometimes. Like, there's been times I've been worried about my vehicle. Like, <laughs> because of like crazy about it. <laughs> about like the trailheads? Or like seeing like, out of state non residents. Non residents going to Wyoming. Well, I think be. like at least when you have an Idaho plate, you're not like they don't hate you as much. What yeah. really boils their blood is Minnesota and Washington. I'm right? sure. I could see that. Or California. California, Minnesota, and Washington are the like you get hate on no matter that. where you go. I just did a Idaho. So like Idaho's uh, general tags went for sale just recently. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I did a post, we have a bonus series on this podcast and every, before every application deadline, I do a bonus series. It's like 15 minutes. I just like, Hey, next week deadlines coming up. Here's what you got to know. Here's yeah. how it's going to work. And I post them and then I make clips and I put them on TikTok. and one of them went viral and it had like, I don't know, 5,000 likes. So 5,000 people liked it. Mm-hmm. It had like 200 comments, and every single one of them was an Idaho resident that's telling me, like, don't tell people this. Why would you say this? You're <laughs> wrecking hunting. And I'm like, you're a resident of Idaho. Like, you should know that there's a limit. There's a specific number of non-resident yeah. tags that can be sold. And whether I tell someone that they're going on sale or they find out on their own, like, there is no more people going to your unit. Either way, like they're going to sell out either way. And there's only the so many, like, I'm not the reason you can't hunt your spot anymore. Like those yeah. people are going to be there either way. It's just, I'm helping someone that really wants to go know like, Hey, you should sign it at nine 30, not 10. That's yeah. the only difference I, I did. And they just I personally don't have me. a problem with non-resident hunters. I constantly hear people, you know, Oh, they need to stay in there. Stay. This is my land, you know? I don't. I, I think everyone needs to get out and enjoy the outdoors and venture off in the new woods. Well, that's that's my is, opinion. That's that. what I find when I talk to people on the <laughs> podcast, and like I mean, just the people I like am around. They're all the same. Like I love when people hunt. Like yeah. let's go hunt, and yeah. and it's like I don't know who the people are. I, mean, I would really love to see like out of all those negative comments that like in some way or form said that I'm wrecking their Idaho hunting experience. I want to know how many of them actually hunt. Yeah. It's like you haven't hunted in 20 years and it's not because <laughs> of the people. It's because yeah. you don't buy a tag, you you know, you're busy, you work weekends. I don't know what it is, but I bet a majority of them don't even hunt anymore. I could see that. Yeah. Cuz everyone that I've talked to that's a diehard hunter is like, "I don't care. I live here." Like 
you're going to go to the first trailhead you see as a non-resident, and that yeah. spot's not good. I've already checked that spot out. I'm going to go somewhere else that I've been <laughs> scouting all summer long and still get my bull. Yeah. You know? And it's the way – I mean, I get it. We have non-residents in Minnesota. I, we don't charge them. Like, Montana is the famous case where it's like a resident's 20 bucks to go elk hunting and a non-resident's 850 Like, it's 40 yeah. times more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I think that's yeah, the worst. I've been looking at going to Texas and – going uh axis deer hunting oh i thought you meant like as a resident (laughs) no no no. okay i'm sitting here adding adding stuff up i'm like man (laughs) as a not like instead of going like elk hunting in some other state yeah yeah axis deer dude that's that's my dream animal there well this seems like it's pretty attainable like you feel like you could cross that dream off this year (laughs) oh yeah i could (laughs) i don't money though man it gets expensive <laughs> just being non-resident and have to pay for all that stuff. Wasn't well, is access to your game animal in Texas? No, it's an exotic. So no, it doesn't matter all, if you're a resident or not. Yeah, I think the problem yes, is as far as that goes. Yeah, yeah, the ranch. The ranch is the problem, not the yeah. resident. <laughs> yeah, the ranch. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's probably it gets, a couple thousand bucks. That, it's, yeah, no, it's same. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a couple thousand. Which. So this is a real side tangent. We started talking about shed hunting, but <laughs> what boggles my mind is like you always hear about the hog problem in the south, right? Like all these yeah. wild pigs are just wrecking everything. And so I'm yeah. thinking like I'd love to go shoot some wild pigs, help out, you know? So oh, I start yeah. looking up stuff. It's like, yeah, a thousand bucks to shoot a wild. I'm like, I thought yeah. you guys had a wild pig problem. Why are you charging thousand dollars to come help. shoot one? Yeah, like I want to go to the yeah. ranch where they're like, Hey, we need people with guns. If you have a gun, come here and shoot a pig. Come here. Yeah, right. It's like, where? I, I thought this was like a national I mean, emergency here. You guys are charging a thousand bucks for one trophy pig. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'd pay some money. I don't know. You've probably seen the videos to hang out of a helicopter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd pay some money for that. That looks, that looks pretty interesting. Yeah, that's $850 an hour. I, happen, I know. I happen to know. <laughs> the, the post, the buddy that used to host this before he uh, gave it to me, he did that once. He had a he did like a partnership deal where he like promoted it and they did like a, a swap, and he said it was crazy, just crazy. He had like a fully automatic gun. Yeah, I don't know if his was fully automatic or not because it was a lot of rounds. But yeah, that looks fun. I just want to do the ones where you're like at night and there's a whole herd of them and you're just like oh. <laughs> just yep. picking them off as they're running and they don't know where to go in the dark. But I want to eat them. That's a I, like not that like I would too. If I'm going to do it, I want to shoot ones that are, like, supposed to taste good because I actually want, like, mm-hmm. the meat. I don't want to yeah. just shoot a bunch of them and let them lie. Yeah. I want to shoot one big one. I hear you there. For the head. Mm-hmm. And then that one's probably not going to taste good. That That's going to probably turn into some, like, two-day stew. Like, <laughs> cook it for, like, two <laughs> days until it's tender. But yeah. the rest of them, I just want to shoot, like, little 100-pounders that are going to taste really good. I'm, I've, I've always wondered how much better they would taste. They've got to taste better, you would think. Than, well, you know, like your store. Jesse Griffiths uh, is a wild game chef, and he started a restaurant in Austin that, like, pred- predominantly serves dishes with wild hog. Like, he has oh, really? ranches that, he, I mean, he, he, obviously he's done all of his research. He does it legally in USDA, everything. But, yeah, yeah it's p- typically, like, wild pigs are, like, a, a huge portion of his menu. And he like part of his thing is like we're not going to get rid of this problem until we like assign a value to a wild pig and like teach people that yeah. they taste good and they're like out there anywhere just go shoot one. 
And yeah. yeah, so he says like, yeah, there's things you can do, but he's like, I can make any pig taste good. Like if it's a big yeah. old boar, I just cook it differently, like accordingly. Like you got to slow cook it, season yeah. it, yeah, keep it cold. Any meat, right? Yeah, I mean, there's certain. I mean, you gut shoot one and leave it lie in the sun, but like if you shoot an ant, if you it's wound an antelope, preparation. Run a, <laughs> if you run an antelope down with your truck, it's not going to taste good either. If pumped yeah. full of adrenaline, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, no, it's all about how you taste it. But that's the funny thing about, like, sheds is, like, it's one of those things where you can do endlessly. There's no limits. That's one regulation I would hate. Like, I've seen TikTokers and, like, content creators make funny videos, like, shed hunting in 2016. It's like, well, I punched my, like, 2062 shed tag this year on this. You know, you're like, you only get one nowadays. Um, But, yeah, you can do as many as you want. You don't have to worry about prep or, like, keeping them safe or, like, you know, it's kind of like – it's not really hunting, it's gathering, but you don't have to worry about the food aspect yeah. of, like, you know, not wasting a shed antler. <laughs> like anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I like it that way. And it also gives me, like, you know, a shed like this, for example, like, I wouldn't look at this deer twice if I was hunting. Oh, yeah. And, but it's cool to find the shed or, like, any of the little forks that you find. Like, when you're hunting, you're like, oh, buck, whatever. But you never, like, you don't get that much excitement out of that yeah. animal. But when you pick up a fork shed, you get, like, w- way more excitement. Oh, yeah. I think it. that's why I'm so addicted to it. <laughs> yeah. It's like hunting. I mean, it's it's full of ups and downs, just like shed hunting. But you only get that adrenaline spike, you know, that one time. Yeah. With yeah. shed hunting, it's every time you pick up a shed. It's Or every it's time you see a time. Man. Like, you could have seen this yeah. sticking out, and you could be like, Oh, that's like the tip of his fifth, right? Yeah. And then you pull it out, and you're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Our camera guy that we went to New Mexico with, he was, like, running the camera, so he wasn't really shed hunting, and so he hadn't found any sheds. And so we're like, hey, we got to get Chris a shed. Like, we got to find one. So he's on the phone for, like, an hour or something, half hour with his uh, his for work, walking around. And he turns around. Like, they've been sitting in the spot for a while eating a sandwich, and he's been on the phone call. He turns around, he's like, oh, hey, there's a shed. And then he goes back to talk, and it was buried. And so all they saw was, like, it was literally, like, this much sticking out, like, your la- like your two fingers. Yeah. And he, they thought it was, yeah. like, a seventh of a hammer, right, just buried. And so they're all excited. He finds it, like, he finally uh, ends his call. They start digging it up. They think it's going to be this monster. It was the world's smallest 4x4. Four four. Like, it was a 4x4. Four four, <laughs> it was a four-point elk shed that was maybe 12 inches long. Wow. Yeah, and it had yeah, all four little deep. points. Yeah, it looked like a coos elk. So, so when I find stuff like that, I'm wondering, like, is this an animal with really great genes? <laughs> right. Or is he just going to be a freak when he gets older? Like, yeah, what's like if that on, was a you – know? if he should have been a spike, probably would have been a good – like, like he had the same number of inches as a spike. It's just, like, take your yeah. spike bowl – and cut the last two inches off three times and then glue them back on, and that's what it – you know what I mean? Like, it was the same total yeah. amount of bone. But, no, it was pretty funny. Um, I wanted to ask you, when you – so you did the Wyoming trip with your dad. You said it was for the first time. Like, did you just throw a dart at the map and be like, here's the area where there's deer in the summer, and then, like, you, like, draw a line between the, you know, the high ground and the low ground, and you're like, you know, there's ways you can find out where the winter ranges are. You just pick one and go for it. I mean, so that was my first trip with my dad. I've been to Wyoming dozens of times. Okay. So I, it kind of has some spots, but. Well, like if you're going to go the first ever, time, do you just like, is that yeah. kind of how you start? It's like pick a, pick a winter range next to a summer range and try it. And then 
you know, go low, go high, try to find the elevation band, but just pick a spot and go? Or is there like more to it than that? You know, for me, have you ever shed hunted Wyoming? Uh, no, I've hunted Wyoming no. and found sheds. <laughs> okay. I want to. Like, it's Wyoming, on my list. Wyoming I, is a different breed. At least it seems like I kind of just pick a spot and go. It seems like everywhere I went, I found sheds. There's, it's it's different out there, man. Well, that seems exactly <laughs> like just pick a spot and go. Yeah, pick a spot and go. Okay. Exactly so it's not that hard. Like, it, you might not find the gold mine of, like, 400-inch yeah. browns, but cause that's the worry. It's like, man, am I going to drive 800 miles out here and spend four days and not find a single antler? No one wants to do that. Yeah. So I, I think it's just to pick a pick a spot and go when it comes to Wyoming. Honestly, is that the same for like Montana? Like, obviously, if you're looking for like elk, you got to be next to like some elk summer range. So like, you got to have some black mm-hmm. timber somewhere, or like Idaho. Like, like do a little bit of research. I've never shed. Yeah, I've never shed hunted Montana, but I would assume it's a lot like Idaho. You know, I'm looking for. You know, at certain elevations, say we're saying elk, I'm I'm looking about that 7,500 elevation foot range, south slopes, mm-hmm. and obviously, if you can get out there and and see what is out there, that's always better. But yeah, maps, man, that's yeah. gonna be your your best bet. Right. So just like there's like there's tons of resources out there where you can like look up where animals in the West winter, like the winter ranges. Yeah. You're just, you're kind of saying just like pick one that's got some options. For like elevation, so if it's like heavy snow, you can maybe go a little bit lower. If it's light snow, you can go higher. Like there's yeah. public, plenty of public, and just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, my my favorite words when people are asking me questions on you know how do I you know where do I go to find an antler, you know obviously you got all your little tips, you know south facing slopes right. and all that. I think it comes down to just everywhere and anywhere <laughs> well that in minnesota it's hard because like that's not the case like you could like look at some yeah. ground and be like oh this is beautiful ground and there isn't a shed on this yeah, yeah like I you mean, really you have to scout because everything is so but... fat like well everything is so uniform here like there is no ups and downs They're constantly like, moving around like i don't even have hills like i don't have a south-facing slope anywhere near my house yeah it's just yeah. all my entire 40-acre farm changes, like, eight feet. Oh, wow. So, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's finding food and signs. So, it's a little yeah. different, but it's not hard. Like, For just sure. go do it. Do it a couple times. You'll yeah. get better each time. That's kind of the yep. key, it sounds like. Awesome. Well, Justin. Yeah. Time, I, time is your friend. Yeah, time is your friend. I don't want to cut us off, speaking of time is our friend, but I do have a podcast <laughs> starting in a minute, and uh, Dave already called yeah. in, so. I'll have to, we'll have no to worries. stop this one and we'll have to do another one after shed season and talk about all of the yeah. mishaps that went on around the season. Yeah. <laughs> all the cool I'd love stories. To. <laughs> cool. Well, it's been great talking to you. It's been great having you here. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for being here and thank you for listening, folks.